0: in that case, I
1: pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good angle by Usyk as he tries to shift to the right and then drag that left hand back behind him and score. And then he nailed the right oh! in the and down, and tell you. Two,
0: down he goes with the left hand. Oh,
1: the momentum. We saw Usyk building up and it's over just like that. Double kebab! Usyk defends all four Cruiserweight World titles. How do you feel? I'm Phil. I'm very Phil. Welcome, Welcome to, to Beyond, Beyond the Rose, a boxing, boxing podcast, podcast brought to you by Easley boxing, boxing Repeat. <laughs> The place from the Northwest Amboxing News. News reviews and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso.
0: Welcome to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast and it's the reaction show for Tony Bellew versus Alexander Usyk. And joining me on the show, Jordy Neal, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad mate. how are you doing? You know what, I'm doing alright, I'm gutted for Tony Bellew, I thought, I thought yeah. it was a, a, a really compelling fight last night and I'm really, I wouldn't want to say I'm excited to talk about it but obviously I love talking about boxing so I, am, I, I do want to break down what happened in that fight and, and obviously the rest of the card because there was some pretty poor instances and some half decent instances on that card as well so I'd I'd like to talk about that and and go through the pros and cons of uh, of like yesterday's matchroom card uh, and some of the gaffes and goofs that happened on it but let's start out at the top then uh, Geordie let's go to the main event and Usyk and Bellew and I tell you what, it was a fight that nobody could have predicted uh, the way it started out, it was it was something that you touched on uh, in the preview episode and you were spot on when you were saying about the fact that a lot of people have ne- neglected the fact that Tony Bellew has got some boxing skills in his locker and the game plan that he started out with was, was, was really good, he definitely took them first couple of rounds from Usyk and you seen for me, you seen Usyk. I wouldn't say he went into panic mode, but you seen in his face, he didn't know what to do at times. He was like, "Hang on a minute, this guy is not fighting the fight I want him to fight. What am I going to do about it?" Eventually, yeah. you know, we know he adapted to it, and 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 the rest is obviously history, as they say. But for them first three rounds, I was sat watching it in awe because nobody was expecting Tony Belli to do what he did, and and you know, and, and box outboxed the boxer basically, the The puncher was outboxing the boxer but it was a strange one because eventually the boxer became the puncher and outpunched the puncher and it was such a, yeah. a strange uh, turn of events but we predicted it, I think we both said on the preview episode it was possibly going to be a late stoppage and it was near enough a late stoppage, I mean what was it, was it round 8 was it? Round 8 yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, so I thought it would have been a bit later but... He, he obviously just got to him a bit quicker. I think Bellew tired quite quickly. But I think that was more, I, I've heard a couple of people touching it today, but I think there was more mental fatigue than it was physical fatigue. You know, he was thinking from the first bell. And as you say, he, he took them first couple of rounds from me. And um, I think the ultimate the ultimate compliment to Bellew is the respect that Yusek paid to him to. not really respected anyone up to this point. But you could see on his face, and you could see by the adjustments that he made that you know he respected Bellu's boxing ability, not just his not just his power. And Bellu got off some some good shots, but he just couldn't put two together. And I think that was because Yusuf was was so good; he didn't allow Bellu to put, didn't allow Bellew to tag him twice. And um, yeah, I think it sort of it just started to drain Bellu, and that's when Usyk got to him.
0: I felt like Usyk. <laughs> Adapted very very well. Uh, after sort of round four onwards was where for me he started to adapt to Tony Bellu's game plan. And for me, Tony Bellu, you said about mental fatigue. I think yes, I totally agree. I think he he was thinking on his feet constantly. Uh, and I think he had to think about every single shot that he threw, every single piece, uh, of footwork, every every head movement, every slip to the side. It was everything had to be th- thought about very carefully. Uh, and, yeah. and he did a very good job about it for the first few rounds but you could see a sort of fourth, fifth round onwards he was starting to tie it and that's when I was worried. That's when I thought if he, he's not going to be able to keep up the pace, Usyk could do this for, for for twelve rounds. He could chase him down. He could, you know, he could close the ring, cut the ring down against Bellu, which is what he was doing throughout the fight. And he adapted very, really, really well. And that's what a lot of people wanted to see from Usyk. That's what they expected to see from Usyk was him cutting that ring down, throwing them combinations in, uh, and eventually, you know, getting to Bellu, which he did. And it was just uh, a compelling fight to watch. For the sole facts, he's at. it didn't go the way everybody initially thought it would as in Bellew's head would be boxed off for you know for the, for the entirety of the fight as long as it lasted, it didn't happen, it didn't happen that way and the scorecards reflected the fact that Bellew uh, I mean, I think there was one card that had him three rounds up and I didn't agree with that because no. at, the t- at the time of the stoppage I, we, we was obviously whatsapping each other and at the time of the stoppage I think I had sick up by uh, a round or two, I think I had think got, got him up for two rounds at that point and and I think the the, the fairest card, uh, funnily enough and, and ironically enough, was probably the Russian judges' card. Yeah, the
1: Russian
0: is, had a draw. Yeah, and I, and I think if yeah. he was going to be objective about some of the rounds, then you could probably say that was the fairest result. But one of the things that I didn't like that people were playing on was the fact that, yeah, you've lost Tony, you've just been knocked out, you're clearly not 100% right, but you, on the judges' scorecard, you you was winning and, and I was just like...
1: yeah. Come on, I think for a play to Tony, he was every time he was asked that, um, or that was mentioned to him in in the post fights, he was sort of saying, But it it doesn't mean anything, and you know, he is correct, he can be as far up as he wants, but there was still a long way to go. You know, I think it was sort of the eighth round, so you know, a fight can turn from eight to 12, we all know that, but yeah, I think, um, I don't think anyone would have predicted the fight to be. I probably had it a draw. Maybe Usyk by one, but I don't think anyone would have predicted that the fight would be a draw at the eighth round or no. going into the eighth. So I think thats a, another compliment to Bellew. but yeah, I think Usyk just just went up another another level for me last night. His footwear was just out of this world, and to be able to think so coldly in in, in the match when the Manchester Rain is absolutely bouncing and everyone's going for Bellew and Bellew's performing brilliantly, then to be able to just Stay so focused and think like that. I mean, that's the mark of a serious fighter, and I think that's what we're witnessing. So. I agree. It's it, it, again. I, I don't think we've seen
0: the very best of Usyk until last night, and that's the best I've seen of him so far because of the fact that he had to overcome what Tony Bellew presented in front of him for them first few rounds, and the way he adapted and overcame it was was brilliant. And the irony of the fact that. When he finished the fight, he finished the fight with I think it was a was it a right cross and then a left hook, which is Tony yes. Belly Tony Bellew's trademark punch. And that was the irony for me, is that he caught him in that left hook and at this point you could see Tony was you know, he was well done. A few punches earlier, you could see he was gassing, he was stumbling everywhere, and I thought, he's, he's gonna finish him here. Uh, and the way he finished yeah. him was just like I don't know, I can't I'm trying to think of a cliche saying, but it was like I, uh, it's just ironic it's, I, I, yeah. I, I
1: think I, I think, think you should answer the questions of people saying he, he, he well I don't know why people were saying this but I've read a couple of people saying he wasn't a finisher and you know he was just this pure boxer and stuff like that I think he answered them questions he was brutal in that finish and it was it was clinical you know unfair fair play to Tony how he's even on his knees I think he's on his knees about, at about 3 or 4 on the count how he's even thinking about getting off is beyond me but again it's just a matter of the man but yeah great fight, great performance from Usyk. And I think, <laughs> it. I don't think they, it was the best round of Belly's career because they probably go to the rounds where he won world title. But in performance wise, he's not really performed that well, to my knowledge, like straight off the top of my head. I think it's so, it's quite sad that he's retiring because I think he's getting better. I think that...
0: I I've seen an interview with uh promoter Al siesta today, actually. I think it was Boxing Social's interview that they did with him last night, and they were saying uh Al siesta was saying that he thinks he should carry on because he thinks now Usyk's gonna move up. He still he thinks Tony but he's there for Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew, yeah he thinks at this point he's he's still good enough to still be an undisputed cruiserweight champion. He he does feel that you know he could still rule that division if he stayed there but for me i don't really want to see him carry on i'll be honest with you i think i was happy i wasn't happy to see him go out that way but i was happy to see him finish his career and 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 i knew he'd achieved his dream you know he he went he wanted to go that one step further and he didn't make it and not the the all don't make it i mean look at one of my favorite fighters ricky and look at the way he you know he won multiple world championships in different weights tested himself against the best uh, two of the best of this generation and and, you know Mayweather's arguably one of the best of all time Uh, he come up short against both men but yeah he's still regarded as one of the British boxing legends and for me Bellew's done exactly the same he's gone up, he's tested himself against the best, he can't can't argue with the resume he's got and he can't argue the fact he's become a a cruiserweight champion and I I think that's 22 really but
1: It's sort of like he is getting him to perform. And why? He's also thirty-five, and he's also got no reason financially to fight on. So it's sort of it's, and you'd rather go out, you know, a fight too early. Than a fight too late in boxing. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I
0: think that's just, it's one of them things where you see it in boxing, a lot of them will stay on for too long and we've seen so many careers go on way too long. James Tony, Roy Jones Jr., people like that, big names like that that have gone on way past the best and we're absolute animals in the prime. You don't want to see that rebellion. So it's the right thing for, for retirement for me, for Bellew. I don't want to see him come back. I'd like to see him retire. He's got the money, he's got everything he wants now. Go off into the sunset, enjoy the rest of your life, enjoy being a pundit for sky because because that's what eventually he'll do, he'll probably end up being a pundit for Sky anyway, uh, as he's been doing you know, over the past couple of years, so he's still going to have working boxing boxing regardless now, and that, for me that's, that's the end of a career, he didn't go out on the note he wanted to, but he should be proud of what he's achieved so far, let's move on to Usyk then, A lot of talk now about Usyk and what's going to happen next and we knew he was signed in a a, a joint co-promotion with Matchroom so we know Matchroom and Eddie Hearn have got dibs on him and and what his next fight may be. It's looking very much like he's going to be heavyweight which is what we've talked about in the preview episode about him moving up to heavyweight. Based on that performance last night and based on his stature, based on his reach advantages, based on how he's performed, do you think he could be a legitimate threat to some of the heavyweights, uh, you know, the, the, the major heavyweights out there at the moment?
1: Yeah, I do. I think I touched on it sort of in the preview, and I said, I think he'll go and win a heavyweight title as well. I think he's just, he's just too good not to really. I mean, I know people say the size and, you know, he's not a small man by any means and, You know, the only really, maybe Fiori would be, is massive, so that could be a very tricky one, and maybe Joshua, but I don't know whether, I might be completely wide of the mark here, and, you know, please let me know if I am, but if he was fighting Deontay Wilder next, you know, I could only see a Jusik victory. I just don't think, I just think on boxing ability alone, he, he would take Wilder to school. Interesting. I'm sure there'll be a few people that
0: may have a few things to say about that statement. It's a bold statement, to be fair, Jordy But based on boxing ability and based on unorthodox style or no style of Dante Wilder, it could well easily happen. I mean, I I'm talking about the Fury Wilder fight in a couple of weeks, and I've always said I think you know Fury outboxes Wilder. I think he's too smart, too clever, too quick. As long as he stays away from them bombs in the, in both hands boxing
1: ability yeah, I mean, wise that's, 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 I don't mean to sound crude or, or to be you know to completely disrespect Dante Wilder because at the end of the day he's heavyweight champion of the world but his biggest asset is a massive right hand and I a, a, a fit Tyson Fury would, would not lose that fight but you know he, he's been out two and a half years and that's a long time to be out of boxing. but I mean if you just went into that fight on with probably one heavyweight competitive fight under his belt there's no way I'd be backing against him no way Who do you think you'd want
0: to see him in against Thirst I mean what type of heavyweight fighter would be an ideal one to start his campaign up at heavyweight there's been talk of Joseph Parker as as being lined up for him
1: Yeah I mean Parker would be a good fight because Parker's not a huge heavyweight so it'd be good in the sense that you know he could sort of feel his way into the division division. and it would be a very competitive fight because Parker's no mug as we've seen but i know eddie has a good relationship with Parker's people so that could well happen maybe on the undercard of the april 13th yeah it's quite possible um i'd like to see i know he gets he gets thrown in for all these fights but i'd like to see like dillian white or something like that (laughs) just because just to see him get roughed up a little bit because i think that's what dillian's plan would be i think he said that today he'd just go in and try and manhandle him and i think that's what yusuf needs he needs to to sort of tick that box of being someone trying to throw him
0: around a little
1: bit not just take his head off <laughs> Yeah, I, know, I, I think for me
0: a, a Parker fight for it would be a good way to, to get himself into the heavyweight division uh, I can, again another comparison here if you look at boxing history and you look at the fact that cruiserweights moving up to heavyweight successfully, Evander Holyfield did it very successfully, David Hay also did it, now would nobody give David Hay a chance, when he became the undisputed cruiserweight champion against Mormick, he then uh, I think he had his fight against Macronelli. When he eventually moved up to heavyweight, his first fight was against John Ruiz, who wasn't also originally a natural heavyweight. So he was going in against a guy who'd previously also moved up through the weights in in history as well. So it was a good test for him, and he he came out of that with flying colours. And then he he jumped out of the frying pan into the fire because he he, he faced Valuev, who was what, seven foot two? And if you. uh, Oh, (laughs) exactly. And, And obviously that fight would always be. Remembered for the, the the Adam Booth tactics, and then that one right hand that, that shook value over at the very end of the fight. I'll always remember that. But it's not out of the reaches of someone like you he's like, to go up to heavyweight and cause legis- no. g- legitimate threats to any of the world heavyweight champions. It's just that he's going to need to be. Uh, weaned into it I mean people may say he's good yeah. enough to, to f- get thrown straight in but I'd like to see him in like a Josie Parker like you say or, or a Dillian White uh, you know yeah, Bob be...
1: six 6'4 and I think you six down is like maybe 6'3 or I think he's a little bit bigger than that but you know so I don't that would obviously be a logical fight because you know he wouldn't be an absolute giant in the shape of like value ever or someone like that so I think the, re- the point with Dillian White is more the physical aspect of of the heavyweight division, you know, down at cruiserweight, you know, everyone's, everyone's fairly quick and it's more, you know, more boxing. But as a heavyweight, you can you can lose by just being absolutely pushed around. So I think that's a box that Yusuf needs to tick. I'm sure he will tick it, but I think before he goes for Joshua and people like that, he needs to just tick a few boxes. And I'd probably side with you. I think Parker's the logical fight and that's a fight I'd like to see. Absolutely. Well, I think we should move on.
0: We talked enough about Bellu and Usyk, and I think we should go to the rest of the card because it was a bit of a mixed card, and we, we had some fights which I felt were on paper going to be you know really really good fights, and um, we had a couple on, on there that were they weren't the greatest technical wise. Um, probably, you probably know which one I'm referring to there. But mm-hmm. I wanted to start sort of earlier on in the bill on the the, the first fight which came on, which was Samide and Richard. I can't pronounce his name, was it? Uh, Poor, that's the one. Yeah, Richard Reakpoor. And on paper, again, that was a 50-50 fight. It didn't warm up straight away. It was the first few rounds quite sensitive. You know, both men trying to sort of gauge each other out, work each other out. And then when it did light up, it started to become a really, really good fight. And then that Re- Reakpoor right hand, which caught some hide on the side of the head, obviously caused some uh, internal damage. And I have never, ever, ever seen an injury as bad as that i thought lebedez was bad but
1: that was worse yeah i mean i i i spoke to you as it as it happened and i said that is an absolute shocker and it was and i hope Sam Hard's okay today but my immediate thing and i'm no medical professional by a long way long long way but i mean when when something swells that that quickly sort of you hope that you know it's sort of a defense mechanism by your body sort of thing so I think that filled me with a bit of this hope. This might not be, this might not be too bad. He just, but he did need to get out there. I think Joe Gallagher did make the right decision. He had the the towel in his hand straight away. But uh, Hyde was obviously winning the fight for me. Yeah. I think Rico throws a little bit. I don't think he. I mean, he's everyone said and people in the game said he, you know, he can hit a little bit and he clearly can because he caused that injury. But I think uh, Sam Hyde looked more comfortable in there and he was. He was definitely winning the fight for me, so he'll feel hard done by today, but I think they might get it on again, maybe for a British title or something along, down the line.
0: I think it'd be interesting, because I think Riakpo wants to move straight on now, and he wants to fight like he, he wants to fight like a Nikolai. He's obviously a cruiserweight, and he wants to throw himself straight yeah. in. He's very much uh, a Nikolai style, hasn't he? He had the same... Yeah, I wouldn't
1: oh. like to see that fight, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he Akoli, has been... has had his problems in his last couple, although he's won, he, he hasn't looked the most entertaining and React Paul looked like he was in a similar mould sort of with a big right hand but you know not really doing much else so I can't really see that one taking off. No, yeah,
0: I'm totally honest. no, no, yeah. I don't think it would. I think you'd have to, he would have to really build that one up. Uh, I think you'd be selling a, f- a dead horse that one. But Sam, I, yeah. I, f- I do feel for him, Jordy. I really do because yeah. obviously that was his big chance. Uh, <laughs> it, and don't get me wrong, he did not blow it by any stretch of the imagination. He couldn't help what happened. He was winning that fight on the cards officially before Joe Gallagher threw the towel in. And to be honest with you, I, I was, I was sort of, I was screaming at the telly. I, I was like, you know, throw the towel in, throw the towel in, yeah. come on he just looked horrific and you know as soon as it come up I was, you can't carry on for me he needed to he needed to stop it straight away and I don't know why even for them extra 20-30 seconds I was cringing watching it because I was thinking what the hell if he hits him in that area again what other type of
1: damage is he going to cause yeah. I think Gallagher was expecting the referee to, to step in and I've seen sort of the commentators alluded, alluded to the fact Gallagher was shouting in and you see the ref sort of having a look but I think Gallagher took it upon himself. Maybe it could have been a little bit earlier, but you know, thankfully, he got out of there And I seen an interview with him, and he was sat ringside. So, you know, hopefully, there's not too much last and damage. You. No, uh, but, it's, it's yeah, po- it's yeah, say, he's had, he's had a tough he's had a tough year or so. Sam Hyde. he's had you know a couple of things to overcome, and this is just another thing. So, I hope he can come again in uh, twenty nineteen
0: posted on social media and yeah, he, he basically said he's okay he's not given the details or anything he's just sort of said he's okay he felt like he had a great fight and it's just unfortunate what happened but fair play to, to him he will come again it's just such a shame for him that twice in the space of a year now you know he's had a, a, a dislocated uh, knee and then he had this last night it was probably some sort of fracture to his eye socket which has caused this so you know, hopefully he'll get his chance and he'll come back and we'll, we'll get to see this happen again. I think it's only right, but it depends on how long it takes for Sam to come back and where Richard Riappol goes from here. So, next fight on the card then, Jordy. which... The next one, this was, by no stretch of the imagination, uh, a, a, an absolute pub fight. It turned into a pub fight and a half. Dave Allen uh, versus Ariel Esteban, Bracamonte and... You know what, we were talking during his fight last night and we are both saying Dave Allen, with the right training camp, the right trainers, it, you know what, he could be a half-decent heavyweight and he could definitely put himself up there domestically as a heavyweight. You know, even possibly push himself a little bit further if he really tried. But that's always been the disappointing thing for me about David Allen as a fighter is he's, he's got this solid chin and he can bang... But yeah, he doesn't want to put the commitment outside of the ring. He, he loves just being David Allen and last night's fight was a, a prime example of it uh, he gets another chance on a pay-per-view and it, it just looked really really sloppy, he should have had that fight finished within three rounds and, and, and I thought he would have finished it within three rounds and he just kind of blew his load and then they were both of them were absolutely knackered throughout the rest of the fight but he, he got the victory eventually because of the, obviously the stoppage uh, but and the retirement of the corner from the doctor but it just, it, and you know what, Jordy, actually, he did the most honest post-fight interview ever, and, and fair play to him for doing that, but what did you
1: make of it all last night? I think you're right, he did do an honest interview at the end, but we've heard that before, you know, I've heard Dave Allen say, I haven't trained, I haven't sparred, you know, I need to crack on with this now, and I don't really want to hear it again, and I don't think the fans do either, you know, he's, he is a great bloke, and he's hilarious, and he, he can fight, but... You know, as I said on the on the podcast last week, he's got to start producing now. Now he's getting—I think that was like his seventh pay per view show or something like that. You know, he's got the ability to do something in the game, and I think he's doing himself a disservice by not putting it all in out. You know, outside of fight nights, if you will. But I think Mick Marsden's a good trainer, and he's and Dave's obviously a very loyal, a very loyal man. But I think in order to get the best out of himself, he's got to go and do his camps elsewhere and by elsewhere I don't mean moving to a trainer in Doncaster where he's from I mean you know get away and go and do a camp whether that's like down south or you know further up north just just go and put yourself in a position where you are in a fight camp and you're not like you're not going home and being with your mates you know some fighters have historically got the best out of themselves by you know being in being on like solitary if you, if you will and I think that's probably what Dave Dave Allen needs. He needs to he needs to be put in a box for them, ten weeks up to the up to the actual fight, and I think that's when you'll see the best of him.
0: I agree. I mean, look at his resume. That that speaks for itself. The guys he's been in with, you know, really for for the performance he put on last night, is is kind of you kind of feel a bit like. He's robbing people here. <laughs> like, you know, he says these things every time and then eventually doesn't come out of it, us I mean, let's, let's look, you know, at the record that he's had. He's faced Dillian White and he lost by a unanimous decision. He faced Luis Ortiz, who went life and death with Deontay Wilder. He faced Lenroy Thomas. He beat Tom Dallas. He went in with Tony Yoker and he beat Nick Webb. He's been in for, for a guy at a stage of his career where he is. He has been in with some absolute brilliant fighters and yet he went life and death last night with Bracamonte who I mean by by all accounts really I wouldn't say he was fit to, to and a fully fit David Allen would have would have had him out of there in a couple of rounds for me I mean he's shown that last night when he did hurt him he hurt him pretty early but he just couldn't he couldn't finish it because he was that knackered after unloading a combination that he couldn't finish the fight and it was disappointing and like you said not many fighters even get to pay-per-view level, the fact that he's had about what, seven pay-per-view appearances now is I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the guy I like him, but I don't think that's that's right that he's had that many opportunities and he's still coming in uh, unfit and he could be a lot better of a fighter. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to sit here yeah. and slate the life out of him. It's more frustration. The way I talk about it is more frustration because you can see he's got the potential to be a lot better of a fighter. and you just it's frustrating. He's frustrating.
1: He's putting good shots together yesterday. I mean, so He's good shots together. And, you know, he's catching. But I'm on you with some eye-catching shots. But then, because his is nowhere near where it needs to be, he can't follow up with the shots because... He's, as I said he's, his conditioning is just, just not there but I think as I've just alluded to he's, he's doing a disservice to himself because you know, he, can, he can really push on and he's, he can't complain he's not getting the opportunities because basically he is he's on every big show that we see on from Sky Sports he's there at that table at the press conference so I think he could have got him out of there in a couple of rounds last night if he was fit enough and then moved on to Sheffield or 22nd of December like it's been spoken about But apparently now he's out because of a perforated eardrum after that absolute war. So I don't think nine weeks or ten weeks out is what Dave Allen needs. I think he'll just balloon up in weight and we'll be straight back to square number one.
0: Yeah I agree I think he just needs to go and reassess what's going on we'll see what happens with Dave uh, in the next coming weeks but I wanted to move on and go touch quickly on Josh Kelly and his performance Uh, again what can I say Uh, I think it was just immense the guy's an immense fighter already and I I I think for me he needs to he needs to be moved through the levels pretty quickly because it's quite evident that his amateur background has really put him in good stead and Nobody can get near him, nobody can get near him at the moment, but he needs to be in with guys that are going to be able to get near him, and we need to see him in tests now, I think, but he's getting him the right fights, that's the problem, how are you going to get Josh Kelly the right fights when he's doing what he's doing to his opponents, he's so quick, so accurate with his punches, that he, he's just dazzling his, you know, he's dazzling his opponents, and, and they're just not able to stay hang with him really, are they? I don't think we learned anything
1: last night, we didn't already know about Josh Kelly, you know, he's immensely talented. And I think his next fight obviously set up with uh, David Avanesian, is he? Yes. If I'm answering that right. And obviously he's got he's got the victory over um Shane Mosley and he did come up short against Lamont Peterson, but you know, that's still that's definitely a step up and hopefully um he can ask some questions of Josh Kelly because he's eight and 0, is it now? So I think yeah. we, we sort of need to see some we need to sort of see some tests now and just see how good Josh Kelly really can be in I think he he can go all the way. I think that's evidence. But um, he's backed by Adam Booth, obviously, who said he wouldn't mind putting him in with Kelbrook or Amir Khan, which is a bold statement, but probably just shows you how highly he rates him. And when Adam Booth talks, it's usually wise to listen yeah absolutely moving on Ricky Burns Scott Cardell
0: and uh, boxing for me is about levels and last night was an example of levels that Ricky Burns has still got it at world level and Scott Cardell for me probably needs to call it a day now and I don't like saying this about fighters and I know you don't and I just don't feel like it's there anymore. I feel like his timing's all off. His reactions are all off. It doesn't seem the same fighter anymore. And I was saying to you again last night when we were texting that I think he's not been the same since he fought Sean Dodd for me. Since he fought Sean Dodd and he got roughed up and he came away, just about came away, you know, in the first fight and then there was the second fight. And he's just not been the same fighter since. Blown away by Ritson earlier this year, he's... Either they go away and really reassess the situation and make some drastic changes, or he decides to, to call it again and go into a different avenue of boxing. But Ricky Burns, wow, he's he certainly... You can definitely see him ready for another high-profile fight. He's, he looks as fresh as he's ever looked last night. And it with Burns, it's like... It's 50-50, some days he turns up and you think, bloody hell, this guy could mix it with absolutely anybody in this division, even now, even at 35 years of age, he could still give anybody problems, but then some nights he turns up and it's just not the same Ricky Burns you've seen once before, and you start to think mm, maybe, it's, maybe it's time for him to hang him up now, but last night again, he just looked really good. Was it a case of him looking really good in levels, or was it just Scott Cardle was that poor last night?
1: No, I think... I think Scott Cardo's just a British level fighter and being a British level fighter is a big achievement. You know, a lot of people do not get to British level and so that's definitely not something I don't like when people say, oh, he's just British leveling because that sort of implies that it's a bad thing and, you know, it's definitely not a bad thing. So, as you say, it's just levels and Ricky Burns is a world-class fighter and has been for many a year now and I, I hope he does get another big fight because what a career he's had and what a bloke, and, as you say when I seen him on the ring walk, was the sort of camera shot to him yesterday. He looks as young as he's ever looked and it's just it's quite frightening really. But yeah, I think his ability remains. But as you say, with Scott Cardell, his, his ceiling probably is British level, which, you know, he's, he's already done. He's already been British champion. So does he want to hang around and just keep taking fights and keep shipping punishment? Whether he wins or loses, he's still shipping punishment. So, you know, I think Scotty Carville is a good lad, so I only wish him well, but I hope he's got the right people around him now to sort of just say, look, let's close this chapter and move on and live a good, healthy life.
0: Yeah, no, I agree I, Sometimes just, it's just a case of telling him to get out of the game And I think for me, Scott Cardell needs to go I, I, People might not agree with it But I think there'll be a lot of people that will agree with it There was a lot of people on social media last night That were saying it's time for him to, to hang it up now And, and move on uh, I think even Matthew Macklin said it in, in the Skype commentary That he thinks he was time to consider him you know, Moving on now from boxing But anyway, let's move on And talk about chief support for the main event Anthony Crawler versus Dad Jordan Last night <laughs> Good fight, really enjoyed it. Good uh, display of boxing ability from both men in this fight last night. Went the distance, went the full 12 rounds. Crawler wins, gets the mandatory position for the WBA lightweight title, currently held by Vasil Lomachenko, which we'll talk about in a couple of moments, about the implications of that. But the general fight itself was, for me... It was uh, a standard crawler fight, and I don't mean that disrespectfully I mean the fact that he is very much a workhorse uh, and he looks for all the different variety of shots, works to the body, works to the head throws through the middle, throws the uppercuts in, last night was a pure case of that and he really, for me he, he out hustled his opponent in what was a, a good competitive fight and I didn't know much about Jordan beforehand and obviously I mentioned the fights with Caballero and Chris John on last week's episode of the podcast. Other than that we'd not really known a lot about the guy, but it's obvious that he's got the record he's got for a reason. He was at thirty eight and three coming into this, so it was you know, it was for me it was quite obvious that he, he was a good fighter on paper and, and he's shown it. But Crawler was just that one step ahead of him all the way through it and I was really chuffed for Anthony Crowler getting another victory and setting himself up for another world title shot. But before we move on about the implications of that victory last night, I just want to get your thoughts and Jordy on the Crawler fight last night. How did you see
1: it going down? Do you think it was impressive from Crawler? Yeah, I mean, I said last week that he probably needs to do a bit of a job on Jordan to, to sort of, you know, put himself in with his chance of winning another world title, but... Obviously, you know he's going to fight for one. Whether he wins it or not is a different conversation. But I think it, it wasn't like he laboured to a point of victory. It was, you know, it was a nip and tuck fight. It was competitive. And what Carlos showed is that his boxing ability remains, which I don't think anyone's doubted. But also his ability to go to the well and, you know, his engine is just his engine is just ridiculous. He he just keeps going and going and. In fairness, so does so does Dow Jordan. He, he he wasn't for budging and he probably nicked the last couple of rounds to me and made it a bit closer, but you know, he can he's definitely a good fighter and so is Crawler. And I think it was just I think it was just two fellas in there last night that that were prepared to leave it all in there and I think the fans will be happy because it was a good technical fight, but I think Crawler was rightly named the rightly named a winner.
0: He moves on then, he gets his shot at WBA champion, which is at the, currently Vasyl Lomachenko, but he's fighting Jose Pedraza in December, and a lot of people again expect him to walk away the victor in that one. Theoretically then, speaking that Lomachenko comes through his fight in December against Pedraza, it could be... Early next year, it could be back here uh, in the UK in Manchester. It seems to be the general consensus that's that's what they want to do. They want to bring it to to the UK or you know potentially Manchester Arena again. But Crawler against Lomachenko a fight where people are obviously going to talk a bit of it of, of a big payday for Crawler and uh, a no chance in hell situation for him. But. You can never write anybody off in boxing. I'm not going to sit here and say, because I know Crawler and I like Crawler that he's going to go in there and, and shot the world. Genuinely, my, you know, my heart want, would want Crawler to win that, that magnitude of a fight because he's such a nice guy. And the story that he's had in boxing, uh, you know, what happened to him being attacked by, you know burglars trying to save his mate's house uh, coming back from that horrific injury to then becoming a world champion the guy deserves everything he gets and he's just a general nice guy outside of the ring but I make no mistake about it, it'd be going it'd be the same magnitude as, as what we've talked about at the top of the show really Bellew and Usyk, it will be the same magnitude as that, Ma- Bellew again underdogging that fight against Usyk Usyk the big champion, the you know the unbeatable guy, the guy who everybody expected to walk over Bellew it'll be the same situation again and Crawler has got this engine on him which I think would take him through the fight with Lomachenko but Lomachenko is such a good fighter and the angles and the the footwork and the head movement, I think it'd be too much for Crawler, and I think it'd be very much a... A repeat of the lenaris second fight with Kraler, and I think he, you know Lomachenko would do a bit of a number on him, and I don't want to say that, but it's reality of the situation, and I think a lot of people will agree that that's how that's going to go down, but I can't fault him for wanting to push himself back up to that level, not just for a payday, but for the fact that he's going to have to go for a world championship again, and he genuinely wants to win it again. Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, first of all, I think Lomachenko will have seen the whole fight week really, and the way Usyk was was welcome to the UK, and you know I'd, I'd hope he'd want a piece of that, so we get to sort of see him over here. And I don't mean that as in it's going to be an exhibition against Crawler, but it would be good to to see him to see Lomachenko display his skills. You know whether that be at Manchester Arena or somewhere else. But in terms of the fight, it, it is it's about as impossible as it gets in boxing. But as you say, anyone can win a boxing fight. But you'd have to, you know, you'd have to lean towards Lomachenko, Obviously, you'd lean against, you'd lean towards Lomachenko against pretty much anybody. But yeah, I think it'll be it'll be an uphill task for Crawler. But the one thing he'd probably wish he had was, you know, the ability to knock someone out with one punch, which he doesn't possess. But if he had that, then you could maybe make a stronger case. But Crawler will give everything. You know, he deserves the payday for one, and. You know he won't. He won't lie down. He won't. He won't quit. I know. People say people quit against Lomachenko, but I tell you now, Andy Crawley wouldn't quit. And whether he lost every round or not, he he would not. He would not just just give in he wouldn't definitely wouldn't he'd go
0: out on his shield that's for sure with Crawler there's no chance he'd he'd just go in there and take a a beating unnecessarily he would go in there and give it his all and if he got stopped mid to late rounds he, he wouldn't be ashamed of that he just knew he knows he'd be going in there and testing himself against the best and that's really all you can ask for from a fighter and you know a fighter's desire, even though you know it on paper and outside of the box, everyone's looking at it thinking, Yeah, this is a mismatch in, in that fighter's mind. It's that's what they want to get into the sport for, that's what they're trying to do, that's what they're trying to achieve. So, fair play to him if he gets that shot against Lomachenko, and it is Lomachenko he faces. Uh, I really look forward to it. I would do. I, I just hope that um, it is Lomachenko that comes through. I'm pretty sure it will beat Pedraza, yeah. but again, you just never know what happens in boxing. Um, so let's go back to the top of the show let's come into a close uh, of this little episode the reactions episode and just really touch on the aftermath of Usyk Bellew really a couple of points that I didn't touch on a little bit earlier on uh, the post fight interview it's been debated across social media a lot in the past 24 hours I don't agree with the fact that Sky jumps in and did the interview like they would normally do That quickly after Bellew being knocked out in that fashion It didn't feel nice It didn't feel right And it felt very uncomfortable To to watch Bellew repeat himself on numerous occasions Not remembering which round he'd been knocked down in Uh, When you watch the video back When Bellew got caught with that left hook His his eyes were gone When he was going to the floor He was out cold When he hit the floor And his head bounced off the bottom rope It just looked horrific The way he landed and then they interview him within, what, two minutes of the fight being stopped? I didn't like it. I, I didn't agree with it, personally. I thought they would have left it a little bit longer before
1: they would have got an interview with him. That's my, my opinion. Pro- my problem with it was, they interviewed him. Okay, that that's the job, fair enough. But ask him his reaction to the fight, and then, and then say, well done, Tony. We'll catch up again soon. What I didn't like is they were just probing and probing. I think the... The interview went on for about four or five minutes. You know, when it could have been, it could have been short and short and sharp, and you know, you could have saved Tony the—I don't want to call it embarrassment, but you know, saved him the job of just repeating himself. And that's no fault of his own. The, the book's just been, you know, not unconscious. But again, this is the game, and you know, that's what them interviewers are in there for. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be, whether it's looked at officially or not. But you know, just showing a little bit of compassion is probably something that the sport needs it's not not unusual for the
0: obviously the post fight interview to be done that quickly but I just think it was the uh, the the fact that it was quite a horrific knock knock down and knock out that I think maybe they should have left it a little bit longer before they started pursuing interviews you know fair enough I understand what they've got to do and I understand the job because I do it myself I go out to the shows and you go to the shows as well and you know it's your job to go there and do that but you would have thought maybe they would have tried to go for Usyk first given the fact that he was the winner do you know what I mean why why didn't they grab Usyk first and have that conversation then give another five minutes or so for Bellew to to get a bit more around himself and the guy was overcome with a lot of emotion you know he'd just been knocked out he was dazed as anything anyway I don't want to dwell too much about it the reason I touched on it at the end because it's something that I felt like it needed to be brought up because I didn't really agree with how quickly they tried to interview him after the fight I think really for me now it's about it's about celebrating Tony Value and, and, and what he has achieved in the sport and we talked about it on the preview episode the fights he's had in the past with Mackenzie, the fights with Cleverly, the fights with Hay the, the Maccabre fight at Goodison Park winning the world title I think you've got to that, that is his last fight, I, he said it in an interview he said it in a post fight interview with IFL last night so for me he ain't coming back now the only thing that will make him come back is a shit ton of money, and I, I honestly don't think he, he wants to come back. It just I get the impression that's it now, he, he just wants to call it a day and move on. But I think we need to celebrate the fact that he's gone from what they were saying last night a loudmouth scouser to the, the, the nation's you know, he's, he's won the heart of the nation, and again, everybody wanted to win last night, everybody. On social media, across the country Even across the world wanted Bellew to do the job last night Because of the story he's got behind him And it was just immense to see the support From the guy that a few years ago Nobody could stand because he was a bellend But now he's just this guy that everybody loves do you know what I mean? This, this is what was. Yeah. This is what I really enjoyed about the story of Bellew and I think we've got to we've got to give credits where credit is due because he will go down regardless of not winning that fight last night. He'll still go down as one of the best British fighters of of, of all time, and it's a bold statement from me. But I think what he achieved in the sport it warrants it. I'm not suggesting he's, he's up there in like your top five or anything like that. But he's definitely got to go down as one of the best Britain has had, as isn't he? Really.
1: Yeah, well, you just look at the nights that he's, that he's given, you know, you know, boxing in this country has, has experienced a big boom and I wrote it in a piece for the website last week and Tony Bellews played a bigger part in that as anyone. You know, obviously, Eddie A gets a load of, a load of praise and stuff like that, but Tony Bellews give us some great fights, some big nights. He sold fights off nothing just by being that the character of, you know, he was saying last night that... You know, Tony Bellew's dead now and he's just Ant- he's just Anthony Bellew. And at the end of the day, he's created sort of a character that is sold to people. And that commercial side of the game, you know, you can be as good as you want, but if people don't want to watch it, then it's, it's a pointless exercise. You know, there's more to boxing than just being a good boxer. You've got to be able to sell yourself and you've got to be able to sell fights and you've got to be able to give a bit of trash talk at press conferences and, that. and whether people like that or, or not. That's the game and that's the world we live in. People want to see drama and Tony Bellew brought a ton of drama and a ton of big wins and I'm glad that he's going out on the back of a great boxing performance because as I've quite banged on about to anyone who listened really, Tony is a very good boxer and that's how he should be remembered, not just a guy who can put people to sleep. So, you know, I hope he goes into retirement happy and enjoys it with his family and you know, he can, be, he can be proud of his career and no one can say a word to him. The guy was a world champion. When it had his, his boy boyo clubs ground, to coin his own phrase, he's clocked the game. And I think he well and truly has. You know, good luck to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing but credit to be given to Tony Bellew for what he's achieved in the sport, and I'm so happy for for him. Now he just seemed like it was a bit of a weight lifted off his shoulders after last night and after the end of the fight, and, and now it's all said and done. He can go home, like I said, right off into the sunset, and enjoy the rest of his life. And we'll definitely see him again. He'll be back at Sky in the punditry in a couple of weeks' time. You know, for some of the big fights coming up in in, in December, I'm sure we'll see him back again. Absolutely, he's not going to be off off your screens anytime soon. I don't think anyway. And I'm not
1: sure, still sure if he's is he managing Craig Glover still. He is, yeah. And I've seen Craig Glover was there um, last night, and I know he thinks a, he thinks a hell of a lot of Craig Glover as do. Many people, especially from Liverpool, so you know anyone listening, uh, I'd take note of Craig Glover, and you'll definitely see Tony Bellew in his corner. And as for the punditry stuff, Sky could do a lot worse than having um, Tony Bellew on a on a fight night. Oh you know, God, yeah. The certain, certain pundits that I won't name because it's just my opinion, but um, that I, I, if they never did a bit of pundit again, I, I, it'll probably be a good thing in my opinion. But it'd be good to have Tony Bellew on there. He'd, Regardless of what people say, he can read. He can read the fight, and he's a he's a student of boxing. If you ask him, or you look at interviews, you know he can go back as far as you want and and give you facts and recall fighters. and I think that's a great thing. So you know, if he's on the TV, it'd be a good thing for British boxing. And just touching on the commentary
0: subject there, there was a few little gaps last night, but nothing bigger than Adam Adam Smith's comment about Tony Bellew's bomber tattoo on the back of him and alluding to the fact that it had nothing to do with the Manchester Arena attack. Uh, God knows what goes through that man's mind at times. I honestly don't understand why he came out with that comment last night, but... For a guy that's in his position Which is He is the head of boxing For Sky Sports He's worked his way Up to that position And he comes out With statements like that He must have felt Like a right dickhead This morning He, he really must have done it. And I understand When you've got to Fill a void When you do commentary It is difficult Because I do it And I understand But Sometimes you know, you, you fill it with random bits of information about the fighters or boxers or the fight or whatever, but to to talk about Manchester Arena and what happened there and allude it to a tattoo on the back of a man whose nickname is Bomber, you know, it was quite obvious. <laughs> Everyone knew what yeah. what it was about,
1: but it was just, oh man, it was a proper gaffe last night, that. Yeah, I laughed, I, I just laughed when you were talking about it and I don't, and, you know, I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but the fact that, he, I don't think, look, I don't think he said it with any sort of, like, you know, I don't think he's trying to come across it. In he's a not bad thought way. about it. I think that's... he's just trying to fill a gap, but he probably couldn't have said, in my opinion, anything worse. It was just, just unnecessary. It was silly and it just, I just cannot understand how that's processed in his mind for someone so experienced, someone who, knows the sport, someone who, as you say, is the head of boxing, uh, probably the biggest broadcaster in the world. It's just, you know, it's a massive gaffe and it's one he won't live down, that's for sure. Oh no, definitely not.
0: Well, let's not dwell too much on that. I think we'll wrap it up now and I think there's only with two words I want to say. I think Tony Bellew and that's thank you for, well that's more than two words. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Tony Bellew for everything you've done for the sport of British boxing. We really appreciate you. Geordie, any final thoughts before we call it an evening?
1: No, i just like to reiterate the fact that I think the guy's a legend and He's done a lot for my city in terms of putting it on, you know, as only just to echo good luck to him, and I wish him nothing but the best. Right, well, guys, thank you for
0: listening to this episode, the reactions episode of Usyk versus Bellew, and that on the card. You know where to find us on the social, it's at BTR Boxing Pod, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on podcasting apps like Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, CastBox, there's so many of them out there, get on there, whichever your preferred method of choice is just get on there, leave us a review, follow us on there let us know what you think about the show if you've got any questions to ask us or any thoughts you want to give us, you can give us directly uh, at BTR Boxing Pod or at Sean Basto, ESPR or at Jordan Eald Anyway, that's it. I'm going to leave you with this little track just to celebrate Mr. Tony Bellew and it's the Everton Football Z Cars team. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.